Welcome to this episode of Planting Seed. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that is intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. May His face shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll be turning to Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 27. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. But then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me, and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This section of scripture is very intriguing to me because Jesus is asking his disciples, what are people saying about me? And they're Answers are varied, and they talk about uh, different aspects of what they've heard, about different prophets that people assume he might be. And then Jesus says, but wait a minute, who do you say that I am? I think this is interesting because uh, often when I've heard people talk about this passage, uh, they get kind of caught up on how the world sees Jesus as one way, but he really is something else. But Jesus poses this question to his followers, right? I I get the world says one thing about me, but really, you guys are following me around. Who am I to you? Why are you here? Who do you see me as? What, What is worth your time and energy to follow me? And I think as Christians, we do well to ask ourselves that, to understand the reason for the hope that's in us. Why is it that we follow Jesus? Because certainly some people uh, just go along with uh, the crowd, really. You know, they grew up hearing stories about Jesus. They assume they're true, uh, but it really makes no difference in their lives. There are some people who uh, buy into this story of Jesus as a way to coerce and manipulate other people. And then there are certainly those who 
understand Jesus for who he is and, and respect that, honor that, and follow him. And it's in in there that I think we need to dig around a little bit and make sure that we really understand what it means for Jesus to be Lord. And what does it mean to follow him completely? Right? When Peter was asked who Jesus was, he said, you're the Christ. And that's a term that literally means the anointed one. And it is referring to Jesus as the anointed king of God's people. He's the absolute sovereign. He's the guy in charge. He is Lord. So it makes it very uh, interesting in just a few verses later when the same person that identified Jesus as Lord is rebuking him, is trying to get him to understand the way things really are. I think we can learn from the interaction that Jesus has with Peter and his disciples here because I think we fall into some of the same traps that they may have fallen into in their early days with Jesus. You have to wonder, why did Peter feel so comfortable scolding or rebuking Jesus? Uh, why does he get on to Jesus? Well, we're told it happens right after um, he's describing what it's going to be like for him to die and, and have to come back. And uh, evidently there was something in there that Peter thought didn't make sense or was offensive, or uh, maybe he thought Jesus was embarrassing himself uh, by not being more positive about the outcome and that the king that he would be following would be a triumphant king. Maybe he was still expecting a, a military uh, battle and that it, Jesus would be victorious and become king that way. We're not told exactly why, but we do know that, that in this context, it, he was getting trying to get Jesus not to talk about his own death. So here's a, a thought. Maybe Jesus is not Lord in our lives if we're trying to tell him what to do. And, and the way Peter was uh, telling Jesus, no, you can't do it that way, I, I think we're guilty of the same thing in our day. We imagine that Jesus should be doing what we want. It's almost like we see Jesus as a genie in a magic lamp, and when we rub it, and Jesus should come out and grant our wishes. But that doesn't make Jesus Lord. That makes him a granter of wishes, almost a cosmic Santa Claus. If we're trying to tell Jesus what to do and how he should handle things, we may have missed the point of following Jesus, right? He, he has led us. We're supposed to follow in his steps. Jesus is Lord, but we're not treating him as Lord. He's not Lord to us if we're trying to tell him what to do. Jesus is not even Lord if we say yes to him, but it's on our terms, right? It, it, Peter may have been trying to explain to Jesus what he should be doing, what he should be saying. And very often, again, we're guilty of the same thing. We see things in our society that we know certainly go against God's will. We see things that uh, uh, offend our sense of morality and maybe dignity and honor for human beings and, and all kinds of problems like that. But we try to tell Jesus on what terms we'll engage those people. 
And it's usually very different than the terms of engagement we were given. We will be angry with people that uh, have different philosophies and different behaviors than we do. We will argue with people who say they don't believe in Jesus. And those are none of the things that we find in Scripture. We're told to be kind and gentle, return good for evil, uh, turn the other cheek, be gentle with those that we're trying to reach. Over and over again, we're told that kindness and mercy is the way to spread the kingdom, not force. But we keep telling Jesus, I'll be this Christian if I get to be forceful, if I get to be angry, if I get to be mad at certain people, if I get to use that as an excuse not to love everyone. Jesus isn't Lord in our lives if we only say yes on our terms. If we only follow Jesus in the good times, if we only follow him uh, to big churches that do a good job of entertaining us and providing and meeting our needs, but we're not concerned with meeting the needs of others. We don't get to call Jesus Lord if we only say yes to him on our terms. Jesus would love to give you what you want. He desires nothing more than for you to have the things that you desire. We see it over and over again in Scripture, but there's something we need to understand. Until we want what God wants, he's only going to give us what we need. He'll give us as much as we need to, to get through situations, as much as we need to, to be victorious and glorify God and honor him, but we may not get everything we want until we learn to want what God wants. See, if Jesus is Lord, we just can't tell him no. We have to keep doing the things he calls us to do and denying ourselves. He says it here in this passage. The one that will come after me will deny himself and take up his cross. I think we have a problem with that text sometimes because uh, denying ourselves sounds like we're giving in. We're giving up. We don't get to have any kind of identity or any kind of personality of our own. We don't get to to be the individual that we feel like God's created us to be. We just have to become a doormat to the rest of the world. But we need to understand that self-denial is not about that. It's about acknowledging that if Jesus is Lord, I am not, right? Self-denial is not the same as self-neglect. It's not saying that I'm not going to take care of myself. I'm not going to be uh, even shrewd or cunning or, or, or uh, understanding of the world and the schemes of Satan and, and be able to uh, thwart those. It's just saying I'm not going to do that on my terms. Every time there's one of those conflicts, every time there's some way uh, of going about life in different situations. Every time there's a crisis of belief in my life, no matter how I feel about it, I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to deny my own instincts and just do what Jesus said because I'm absolutely convinced that's the best way to go about life. That's what it means to make him Lord. So I'm not neglecting myself. I'm just denying that I am Lord. Jesus is. 
if there's any question about how to behave, about how to think, about how to uh, interact with other people, I'm going to do what Jesus says, period, end of discussion. See, when we're preoccupied with our own concerns, we're not trusting God. And Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And in the context of that, he, he's talking about things that the rest of the world worries themselves about, what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, where they're going to live. Those kinds of things take care of themselves as we fully surrender to Christ. It's not that we don't have some role to play in procuring them and, and, and being good stewards of them, but it's taken care of when we let Jesus do that rather than trying to do it ourselves. We just do it his way and those things fall into place. If I become preoccupied with making it happen, if I'm more concerned with coercing and manipulating situations and people to get what I want, I'm not trusting God to give me what I need. See, self-denial is realizing that God is more capable than we are of running our lives. Do we get that, right? God is the one who made us. He made us for a specific purpose. We're told in scripture that we were made to do good works. God knows how to make that happen in our lives. He knows how to develop that and equip us for it. And he asks us to submit to his will and, and become that person he created us to be. Self-denial is realizing that God knows what he's talking about. Since he made us, he can get the most out of our lives. We need to quit chasing after the things that we think will bring us fulfillment and trust God enough to do it his way. Self-denial says, I'm not going to second guess God. I'm just going to do what he asked me to. In that, we will find our personality. We'll find our identity in him. We'll find who we are. We'll live a rich and full life. After all, that's what Jesus said he came to give us. We'll have those things, but it'll be on God's terms because his anointed one, Jesus, has revealed these things to us. And if we're embarrassed or ashamed of that, if we don't want to live up to that, Jesus says in this text, he'll be ashamed of us in a final judgment. He'll give up on us if we give up on him. That sounds harsh. We keep hearing how much Jesus loves us and nothing can take us away from his love. And that is true. Jesus loves us completely and will never stop loving us. But if we don't follow him, if we don't make him Lord, he has to deny to God that we are one of his. He will hate that he can't take us with him, but we can't if we don't make him Lord of our lives. I hope that this doesn't make us despondent or scared or uh, second guess uh, where we are in our relationship with Jesus. What I hope it does is motivates us to surrender completely. I'm not wanting to focus on, on the negative that, that comes about by denying Christ. I want us who have claimed to follow him, who have claimed to make him Lord of our lives, to make sure we've actually done that, 
to make sure that we understand what it means for him to be Lord. Because Jesus himself says not everyone who calls him Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's those who do the will of his Father. So let's evaluate ourselves. Let's look at how we view Jesus. And let's make sure that when we say Jesus is Lord, we can identify the aspects of our life that prove it to be true. If there are things that you need to do or experience to uh, have that come into sharper focus, whether it's studying scripture more intently, uh, getting more involved with the good works that we were created to do, uh, whatever it is that you see you need to do to truly make Jesus Lord of your life, take care of those things today. You may be able to do it just between you and him, but you may need some help. You may, may need more teaching. Feel free to contact us. You can reach us on our website. You can find my email there, and I'd be glad to have those conversations with you. But for now, I just want to leave you with the thought of realizing whether we accept him or not, Jesus is Lord. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calerachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time.